Hey folks, welcome back to another edition of Fire and Ice Sports. As always, my name is Evan Smoke. I'm your resident fire here on the podcast. And three feet away from me is Mr. Bryson Wheeler, the local ice. We are both back home for Christmas break. Uh, what a grand time it is to be back in Waycross, Georgia. Which I say not quizzingly, like I don't know where I'm at, but quizzingly because I don't want to be here. Yeah, I don't know if it's a great time. I'm already ready to go back to college, especially what I'm looking forward to in my internship when I get back. But we're sitting here with Jackson Dixon, and he has a trivia question for us. All right. Uh, the Cowboys lost to the Jaguars this weekend in a thriller in OT. And the question is, when is the last time the Cowboys actually lost to the Jaguars? I'll, give you, I'll give you a hint. They play every four years. So they play this year? 2010. It was 2010. Ah. They lost 35-17. to 17. Good guess. Good guess. Bad loss for the Cowboys in 2010, though. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into the MLB because we have a really big signing, a big loss to talk about for our Atlanta Braves. And as Dansby Swanson goes to the Cubs for seven years, $177 million, which is just over $25 million a year. And I think that is a little overpay for him. But with what the other shortstops in the league were getting, I think it's rightfully so. I think he's a top four shortstop in the league. Hard to argue he's not even the best with the way he plays defense. So it it makes a lot of sense for Dansby. I know he wanted to be in Atlanta. He loved the Braves and all that. But his wife plays soccer there. It makes a lot of sense for that. But what are your thoughts on Dansby? Well, it's it's tough to see him go, obviously. I think he's... He was the staple of the rebuild. He's He was the longest-tenured Brave left on the roster coming into this year. Um, just an absolute, you know, cornerstone of the franchise. But with all that being said, um, we couldn't pay him the money. I wouldn't have paid him the money. I understand that we now have a huge hole to fill, and it looks like we're not going to be able to properly fill it without a major trade here in this offseason. But I think the biggest thing is, is Dansby's a great player. And I, it's something I saw on Twitter. I think this is a great way to say it. I said, these things can be mutually, you know, agreeable. Like, Dansby's a great player, and I'm going to – we're going to miss him. The Braves are really going to, you know, miss his bat and miss his defense, obviously. But it's also okay to say that we're okay not paying him that money. I think Alex Anthopoulos made a smart, savvy move, and a lot of that being determined by Liberty Media not wanting to pay people like we've talked about week in and week out every off season. But with the arrangements he has to deal with, I think Anthopolis made the right move to let him walk for that amount of money. Yeah, so now the question is, where do we go from here? And Mark Bowman, the Braves' lead rider, has said, Von Grissom will not be your short, starting shortstop. And I fully believe what he says. I believe most stuff he says. I don't think Vaughn is ready to be your shortstop defensively. Maybe he can find somewhere to play, DH some, play some second, maybe some shortstop every now and then. You know, there's been talks of Elvis Andrews. I, I don't. Elvis Andrews is a good player. He's a good defensive player, but he has a 707 OPS last year. Not real good a hitter. He is getting older. He's 34 years old. Was a brave, though, uh, coming up through a farm system. I think it will make a lot more sense for us to go to the Padres and try to get a shortstop. They have four guys who can play shortstop. Five, if you wanted to throw in Jake Cronenworth, who I'm sure could. But Song Kim, Xander Bogarts, Tatis, and Machado can all play short. I think the Braves need to try to go make a move for House on Kim. Kim's a good defender. He had a he's a little better hitter than Elvis Andrews, not much, but he's still a young guy who he's twenty five years old. He's still getting developed. I think that's a guy the Braves should go get after. But what are y'all's thoughts, Jackson? Why don't you go ahead and share with us? Uh, first of all, yeah, it's a tough loss for the Braves to lose Dansby, but 
paying him twenty five and a half million a year is a little bit much for Anthopolis. It might not be for some people, but for Anthopolis, that's way too much. And like we always say, defense travels. His defense is always going to be there, but his bat was definitely shaky at some times. He'd have stretches where he'd bat 400, and then he'd go 0 for 30 in the next two weeks. There is some things I'm going to miss with Dansby, which is his defense, but his bat was definitely too shaky. But I am uh, looking for the Braves to make a move and fill in that shortstop role that very hard to fill in with Dansby Swanson. Yeah, I think we're going to miss him a lot more than we do Freddie just because of the defense that shortstop that he brings. But, Evan, where do you think we go from here? I, I understand what Mark Bowman is saying, and I have complete and utter confidence in him as a writer. But the way that Ron Washington and also Snicker, to a degree, have talked about Juan Grissom this offseason, I would not be shocked if he starts the opening day. I, I, I think the crucial thing is – is we're going to start Vaughn and then try to make a mid-season trade. I think that's where the hand goes. Obviously, Anthopoulos works in silence. You never really see anything that he does or has coming until the, like, 30 minutes before it's announced. So, you know, stick to your phones, guys. Stick to Twitter. Look around. Because something could possibly be coming, but I would not be shocked if Vaughn Grissom lines up there. All right. Shortstop on opening day. So we have two more big signings, then a couple smaller ones on our own over. But another big sign, a guy that I think finally got underpaid, Andrew Benatandi. We've just seen these huge $200, $300 million contracts come out. Benatandi's a good hitter, good defensive player. He goes to the White Sox for five years, $75 million. I think that's a really good sign for them. $15 million a year for Benatandi. I think that's a good sign. Either y'all have thoughts. Yeah, I think Ben Attendee's a really good underrated player. I know the we talked about him last year as a Braves, you know, trade deadline acquisition target. I thought we might possibly make a run for him, you know, here in off season or here in this off season. But I guess cards weren't or the the cards were not in our hand for that. I I think he got a little bit underpaid. I think he's a really great defensive outfielder, and I think he's a huge bat. So the White Sox really get a steal, and they're going to need that with the loss of Abreu, who signed earlier this off season with the Astros. Yeah, Benintendi is he's not a guy who's gonna hit forty home runs, but he's gonna he's gonna play every game. He's gonna play good defense. He's gonna bat around two eighty, two ninety, and he'll hit twenty home runs. He's not a superstar in the league by any means, but he's a he's definitely a, a player that is worth the money he received. Alright, and then Carlos Rodon goes to the Yankees for six years hundred and sixty two million. I think that's a really good signing. I know he's getting a lot of money. He's a great pitcher, though, just to go with this staff with Garrett Cole and Nestor Cortez. Do either of y'all have thoughts on that? Yeah, great pickup for the Yankees, obviously. Uh, we talked about Rodon possibly coming to the Braves. We looked to it to maybe add to the rotation. Somebody like that caliber you always want to add because he's just that good of an arm. Uh, and the Yankees had the money to pay him, so they rightfully did so. I think it's a great addition. They kept Judge. The Yankees are looking pretty formidable next year, but the Yankees always seem to fall a little bit short somewhere along the lines. Yeah, it's a, it's a great signing for the Yankees. Uh, he's a great player. I hate to see him in a Yankees uniform just because just how good he is. Uh, the Giants went and uh, – who did they sign this offseason? Giants had to sign They somebody. got uh, Correa. That's right. They went and signed Correa. They didn't have the money to get Rodon, but good signing for the Yankees overall. All right, and then I've got four smaller signs I'll run over quickly. Justin Turner goes to the Red Sox for two years, $22 million. The Red Sox lost a lot, as we know, this year to free agency. But bringing in the veteran 38-year-old, I think is a good presence to the locker room as they're trying to build up some guys. 
J.D. Martinez to the Dodgers, one-year 10 million, like the signing. Dodgers have lost a lot as well. Glad to see that they are not glad to see their rebuild, but it's good for them to, you know, build something else out of that. Michael Brantley back to the Astros, one-year 12 million, and Joey Gallo, I'm sorry for you, uh, your lost twins, but Joey Gallo to the Twins for one year, eleven million. Do either of y'all have thoughts on any of those? Uh, JD Martinez and the uh, Justin Turner almost seems like a trade. I know it was a free agency, but it was almost a trade in that sense. As Turner goes from the Dodgers to the Red Sox, and Martinez leaving the Red Sox to go to the Dodgers. I think both of them will fit into similar roles on the team. I think they're going to be some DH bats. They're going to be able to, you know, kind of mentor a young core. Um, and it's going to do really well for both teams. You, know, you talk about the Joey Gallo signing. I don't hate it. Uh, it's a it's a cheap one-year flyer contract. Uh, twins definitely need outfield support because Byron Buxton gets hurt every five games. Uh, so something to keep there as a, you know, a bench bat, someone who can step in and play that role. And I don't know if the MLB is done, but it seems a lot of the big names have already fallen. J.D. Martinez to the Dodgers is... Very scary, if you ask me, because J.D. Martinez was playing like the best player in the world for the first two and a half months of the season last year. He was hitting home runs every other game. He was batting three fifty to start out the season. It's just another... They lose uh, Justin Turner and... Uh, Trey Turner. Trey Turner. Trey Turner to the offseason, but they have J.D. Martinez for that D.H. role. They could And they lost uh, Bellinger. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> I don't think they were too sad about that. No, I agree, but... Another guy. I I wish the Braves did sign Bellinger to a smaller deal, not the seventeen and a half he got, but ten or eight. I'd have loved to see him come because he is a guy with really high upside, and he's still young. People don't realize that he could quickly turn around. But I, that's all I have for the MLB. Either of y'all have anything else? Uh, all right. Well, let's jump into college football. And from this past week, we don't have much to go over unless we want to talk about Florida getting slaughtered by Oregon State. Okay. But yeah, <laughs> so let's jump into this week's games, and we've got about ten that we're gonna go through through next Monday because I don't know when we'll do next week's podcast. So let's just quickly give our picks. No number huge bowl sure. games. So Marshall and UConn play today. Marshall's a twelve and a half point favorite. I'm picking Marshall to win and to cover. What's your pick? Yeah, I'm probably right there with you. I'm really glad that Jim Moore got the Huskies back to a bowl game. They get this. You know, late season trip to Myrtle Beach, you know, not a bad gig. But Marshall's a really formidable team. We saw how they did, how well they played against Notre Dame earlier in the year. They had some success in their first year in the Sun Belt. Um, we have a former Workout Gator playing on that team, DeMarco Gibson. Uh, I think there's a lot of things to go right for Marshall in the Thundering Herd. I'm going to take them to cover and win as well. I'm going to take Marshall to win this game, but I think 12.5 is just a bit too much. I see them winning by about 10. Nine or ten, uh, but I will take Marshall to win and by just enough though. All right, next game: Eastern Michigan, San Jose State tomorrow. I'm going with Eastern Michigan in the upset. They're four point dog. I'm gonna take the Spartans. That team is a it's really well put together. Uh, it's been a big transfer portal destination for some big names who didn't find success in the Power Five over the past five years. Uh, the Spartans have a really good program. I think they're going to continue their dominance tomorrow. I'm going to take them to cover as well. I don't know much about these teams, but I'll take San Jose State. All right, Liberty and Toledo. Liberty's been on a little bit of a slide lately after starting off so hot, so I'm going to ride with Toledo. What's your pick, Evan? Uh, Toledo is a very underrated team. They did very well in the MAC championship game. Excuse me. They might have won it. I can't remember. Um, but, like you said, Liberty, while they are a good team, uh, they've had a bit of a slide. They lost Hugh Freeze. 
Uh, there's been some controversy, not controversy, but uncertainty around their program this offseason. That could definitely get in your head. I'm going to take the Rockets as well. Toledo Rockets. That is a fantastic mascot. I have to pick Toledo in this one, right? Absolutely. All right, Western Kentucky, South Alabama. I'm going to take South Alabama as they're sitting here at 10-2. and two. They've been a good football team. Four-and-a-half point favor, I'll take them to cover. What's your pick, Evan? Same thing. The Jaguars are a great team. Uh, they did pretty well in the Sun Belt again this year. I think they're going to continue the trend of Sun Belt dominance this off, or this bowl season. I'm going to take the Jaguars. Yeah, let's talk about Austin Reed, though, who is a quarterback who's really good for Western Kentucky. You know they always put up numbers, Bailey Zappe, as we saw. But, um... He entered the portal, and then he removed his name. So he's going to be back. He should be playing this bowl. So watch out. It should be a high-scoring fun game. Jackson, what's your pick? Uh, I'll take Western Kentucky in this one. Like you said, Austin Reed's putting up big numbers this year. Now, I'd like to I'd like to think he's going to continue. All right. So Thursday, December 22nd, Baylor versus Air Force. And, you know, Baylor's the big name coming into this game. They're a four-point favorite, but... These military teams are just hard to beat sometimes. Air Force sitting here 9-3. and three. They love to run the ball, pound the rock on you. I think they're going to pull this one out as the underdog. What's your pick, Evan? Uh, I'm going to take Air Force as well. I took them in our bowl pick on this one of my upset picks. Uh, this game is played in TCU Stadium, Baylor's arch rival. It'll be 9 degrees with a chance of snow on Thursday night. That's perfect for Air Force. <laughs> Air Force plays in Colorado Springs at high altitudes, and they love to run the ball. This is a Falcons game through and through. I'm going to take the Falcons to win. I was going to take Baylor before I heard the forecast from Evan. Air Force, This the weather is playing perfectly for Air Force. I'll take them to win. Louisiana Lafayette versus Houston. Houston's a seven-point favorite. I love Clayton Toon and Nathan Dale there, that wide receiver quarterback duo. I think Houston wins, probably covers. What's your pick? I'm right there with you. I, I think Houston's an underrated team. They're going to get a big win as they look forward to the Big 12 next year. Yeah, I'll, I'll be taking Houston as well. The Cajuns have just had a terrible year this year. I'll take Houston to win and cover. Here's a fun and probably the most underrated bowl game of the whole time. Wake Forest versus Missouri. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be a fun one. Sam Hartman, you know, he's one of my favorite, if not my favorite quarterback in the nation. Love the guy. He's very underrated. A.T. Perry at receiver for them is awesome. On the other side, Missouri has playmakers. They just haven't been able to put together this year. I think I'm going to take Missouri in an upset here. Wake Forest has been struggling a little bit. Give me Missouri. Yeah, Missouri ran away from the Liberty Bowl because they didn't want to play Kansas. And if you run away from competition, you're going to find harder one. I'm going to take Sam Han- Sam Hartman and the Demon Deacons to get a big win here. I'll take Mizzou in this one just because they gave Georgia the scare of the year. So they definitely have something up their sleeve. Give me Mizzou. All right, two more here. Middle Tennessee versus San Diego State. I'm Ryan with San Diego State. Uh, and, no, I will take San Diego State not to cover, but outright. They're seven-point favorite. Not cover, but outright. Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. San Diego State's a really good team. Middle Tennessee is always a sneaky competitor here in the bowl season. Uh, I don't remember where this game is, but I will take The San Hawaii Diego. Bowl. This is the Hawaii Bowl? Uh-huh. Ooh, yeah, that's a far trip for Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Uh, not so far from San Diego. So, I'll take San Diego State to not cover, but win uh, on Christmas Eve. I guess I have to take Middle Tennessee because everybody else is picking San Diego State. True. guess so. All right, and the last one, New Mexico State versus Bowling Green. It's, should be a low-scoring, hard-fought game. Bowling Green is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Over-under is 48. I guess I don't know anything about either, so give me Bowling Green as the favorite. 
Yeah, sure. I think the Bowling Green Falcons, uh, Urban Meyer coach there, so they have some history. New Mexico State is barely an FBS program. I believe they're an independent joining Conference USA. They're the Aggies. Uh, that's all I really know about them, so I'm going to take uh, Bowling Green as well. I'll take Bowling Green, too. I'm looking at these stats in, uh, uh, what's it called? New Mexico State just does not score a lot of points, it looks like, so give me Bowling Green. And the next game that we'll talk about to kick off next podcast, our Georgia Southern Eagles take on Buffalo. Kyle Van Treese returning. So we'll have fun about that. There's some really great bowls to talk about next week. We'll get into our playoff stuff as well. All right, so now let's get into some of the – we have early National Signing Day coming up this Wednesday, two days from now. So I want to talk about some of the top uncommitted recruits that there are in the nation and stuff like that. So let me pull this up real quick. The top recruits. Okay. They're all going to Georgia. I don't know anything. I don't know about that. All right, so the number three player in the nation just flipped his commitment this morning. Dante Moore, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, flipped from Oregon to UCLA. I'm not sure if that has to do with Bo Nix returning and Dorian Thompson-Robinson out at UCLA. Maybe he wants to play his freshman season. Not sure, but very interesting flip there. Another guy who I fully expect to flip, he's been projected to flip, Caden Proctor, offensive tackle, committed to Iowa. Five-star, fifth overall player in the nation, Things flipping to Bama here. Everybody's projecting it. I see it coming. Um, Mateo Uyangale, DJ's younger brother. He is the number 17 player in the nation, a five-star. He's projected between, it seems like Ohio State may be the front runner here. USC and Oregon are both in the mix here. I think he's going to pull out to, U, uh, to Ohio State. I think it's them or USC, but either of y'all have thoughts on that one. I do not. I have not kept up on recruiting whatsoever. I do not. All right. Well, let me run a few more. Deuce Robinson. He's a guy who's been projected to USC. A lot of talks of him being projected to Georgia now. Five-star tight end. I think he's going to pull out and be a dog here. Yeah, that sounds right if he's a tight end. (laughs) All right, and then let me run over two more guys because it's the Carver guys. They both go to the same school. It's James Smith and Quay Russo, both highly rated four-stars. I think Alabama's the pick here, and... Alabama, if they pull Desmond Ricks in this class too, they're going to be competing with uh, Texas A&M's recruiting class from last year. Like this is going to be historically great. They're they're looking nasty. All right, so let's get all that real quick and let's jump to the transfer portal news now. I know you talked about wanting to talk about that last week, and I didn't have much. I have some stuff now. So, uh, either late last night or this morning, Travis Hunter entered the transfer portal. He was the number one player from last year's recruiting class, went to Jackson State. Now he enters the portal, and there's it seems to be a five-team race, or at least early as of right now. Uh, Colorado, as we fully all expected with Dion going there. And then there's four other schools now, USC, Georgia, Miami, and Florida State, who are all in talks for it. Do either of y'all have thoughts on where Travis Hunter might go? I would bet a decent amount of money he goes to Colorado. Yeah, I'll put a lot of money he goes to Colorado. <laughs> I'm a pick against it. I think he ends up at one of the other Florida schools. I think he ends up at Miami. I, I, I'm going to go with Miami, stupid. actually, is my pick. I think it will, too. <laughs> That's the worst option. <laughs> I'm telling you. I, I've been following a lot of Florida recruiting, so... But, 
just by process elimination, I have to follow Miami because they go hand in hand. And John Ruiz is a multi-billionaire who is alone there, and he's practically just been giving players how much ever money they want to to come to the school. I think he's going to do the same with Travis Hunter. I think he ends up at Miami. It's my pick. All right, here's an interesting one, Evan. I don't know if you've seen this one. You might fall out of your chair, though, so strap in. Devin Leary, have you seen where he's projected? No. Kentucky. Mm. <laughs> yes. So that one does not make much sense to me. Devin Leary is, in my opinion, the number one quarterback in the transfer portal, and most people's number one quarterback in the portal. And to go to Kentucky, that does not make much sense to me. I think Kentucky's going to be in a low next year. Now, if they get Devin Leary... They might be a 7-8 win ball club, but I don't see them being much better than that. Do either of y'all have thoughts on that? Yeah, that's a head-scratcher, but I guess if you want to be an SEC clear-cut number one quarterback, I think Kentucky probably gives you the best option to do that. You know, a lot of people want to bring up Florida, but Florida's a little bit behind in the rebuild versus, you know, Stoops kind of keeping them, you know, in a competitive nature every year. I understand they were down this year as a 6-6 six and six year, but... They've got some weapons. You do bring back uh, Smoke coming back next year, correct? Yeah, Cavassier right. should be back, I He think. should be back. You've got a couple wide receivers that were either young or prospects, I believe. Or not prospects, but recruits. Uh, this team is kind of built to be a decent, formidable foe. Obviously, they're not going to you know, probably compete with the ranks of Georgia or Tennessee, but they can finish third. They were South Carolina battle it out for that spot, I think. Um Devin Leary is dangerous. Uh, I don't know if he has any connections to the region. That could possibly be something to look into. Uh, you know, But overall, that is an interesting pick. But I like it a lot. I think Devin Leary does a lot more in a Kentucky – does a lot better in a Kentucky-style offense than a Florida-style offense. Yeah, you you mentioned Florida with that. I think Florida – they don't have the – they don't have any playmakers. Ricky man. Pearsall. I mean, sure, I guess. They do not have any playmakers. They don't have ETN. <laughs> That's true. Other than ET, ETN is a stud, real. I'll give you that. But they have no receiving core. They can, no, get, they can stretch the field. At least at Kentucky, you've had playmakers in the past that are that have the explosive ability. I think Kentucky is just a much better fit than Florida in that argument. All right, well, speaking of my Florida Gators, they have emerged as a candidate for Grayson McCall. Some other teams that I've heard are maybe Auburn. I, I, I hadn't really heard anything else besides Auburn and Florida. Grayson McCall to Auburn so, I don't know. I'm not going to pick him to go to Florida, but I did say I think Florida pulls in Devin Leary, Grayson McCall, Sam Hartman if he enters, somebody like that. So, I think it's very interesting, and I'm believing that Florida's in on him. All right, and then two more guys who have already transferred on to talk about. Well, three. Treshawn Holden, the Alabama receiver, goes to Oregon. Don't want to talk too much on that. Not huge move. Another Bama receiver, though, JoJo Earl. He was a projected starter at the beginning of this year. He is hurt for most of the year, didn't get to play too much. When he did, he was good, though. He's He transferred to TCU. I think it's an interesting move. I'd like to see TCU get a quarterback in there with Max Duggan finally going to the draft this year. I think they could be dangerous if they get them a quarterback, though. Do you have any thoughts on JoJo or, or Holden? Uh, Holden's kind of an under-the-radar, not really that monumental move. But JoJo Earl to TCU could be scary, if, especially, like you said, if they can get – you know, one of these big transfer quarterbacks, maybe a Slovis. He's in the portal now. If he goes to TCU, Slovis and Earl would be pretty nasty at TCU next year. Yeah, TCU, look, TCU looks like they're building their program after this phenomenal season they've had. And uh, it looks to, like they're going to continue. 
All right, and the last guy, Nick Evers. Y'all may have never heard of him. He was a high four-star recruit in last year's class. He was originally committed to Florida. Flipped when we fired uh, uh, one of the M, Mullen. <laughs> I oh, couldn't think that of that guy. McElwain Muschamp Mullen. When we fired Mullen, he ended up flipping to Oklahoma. Did not get to play much with Dylan Gabriel there. But he ends up going to Wisconsin to join Luke Fickle and Phil Longo, North Carolina's offense coordinator who went there. I think that's an interesting fit, and I think Wisconsin's going to be rebuilt a lot quicker than people think. Wisconsin is actually going to be a really – Wisconsin has a chance to be USC light next year. Uh, and, I, and I mean USC light in the sense, like, I don't think they could compete for a playoff spot. They could definitely be a much improved team, kind of similar to Michigan State in Mel Tucker's first year. Um, Luke Fickle's a great coach, like we all mentioned. He was a great hire for Wisconsin. We're just kind of shocked that Fickle took the Wisconsin job. And Nick Evers has connections to Wisconsin all over. He grew up a Wisconsin fan. His grandparents and his parents both met in Wisconsin. There was no reason that the kid didn't go there initially. Um, and I don't know if that's a conflict of Paul Christ. They never offered him. He didn't like the coaching staff. Maybe Brent Venables, you know, was able to provide a better deal for him in the initial. But him going to Wisconsin and keeping Braylon Allen back there, Luke Fickle's actually going to do a really good job with the Badgers next year. All right. Uh, that is all I have for college football. So let's jump into some NFL. And the first game I want to talk about is the Vikings, of course. They make the largest comeback ever in NFL history on Thursday night. It was, or Saturday night, excuse me. We had three Saturday games. Matt Ryan, I mean, he's just, I guess, famous for blowing these leads <laughs> He now. solidified his legacy. Four out of five <laughs> t- biggest in NFL history. Absolutely. But, you know, the Vikings come back against the Colts after being down 33 to nothing. I, just, I turned the game off when it was 17 nothing. But I keep getting updates. Vikings score. Vikings score. Uh, your player in fantasy is in the red zone. I was like, oh, crap. Let's keep turning over. Well, it's 36-28 by the time I turned over. I watched the rest of the game. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen in NFL history. We have another crazy play, maybe the craziest in history to talk about later. But what are y'all thoughts on the Vikings as they make this comeback? I don't even want to talk about the Vikings. I, I, I want to talk about what, right. what do you do as an Indianapolis Colts fan, front office member? What does Jeff Saturday and Matt Ryan do? Like, oh my goodness. And and I'd like to defend Matt Ryan here. Yes, he has been notorious for choking and choking and choking. But if you go back and look at the games, like all four of those box scores, he has like two or three combined turnovers over the four games. He still has respectable stat lines in all of them. It's just been the product of just huge monumental snowballing defensive plays and special team miscues. That have just been absolutely awful for him. Now, Matt Ryan never won the game in all four of those things. He could have took his team further. I'm not trying to discount, you know, his inability to finish it out. But it's not only his fault. Um, and, I, and I can talk about something here in a minute to relate it to. But, man, I, as a coach, and especially as Jeff Saturday, an interim coach who's now 1-4 in, in his first five games, I would highly ex- doubt he would come back to coaching um, after this, you know, run. But, man, just... That's a really tough pill to swallow. That's a really tough thing to have to wake up in the morning and look at yourself. And the Colts Colts just need to quit the season and try to get a top three draft pick at this point. Yeah. Everybody wants to talk about how the Vikings came back from down 33. But the Colts were up 33 points and somehow found a way to lose that game. It's more on the Colts sucking than it is the Vikings 
overcoming. One thing I want to talk about, though, is Stephon Gilmore absolutely locked up Justin Jefferson in the first half, and then he forgot how to play football the second half. I'm assuming he was probably just gassed, which I don't blame him because he's getting older, and Justin Jefferson is just nasty. He's but ends up having like 12 for 125 and a touchdown. Most of that was in the second half. So props to the Vikings, though, but don't get down so bad next time. Kirk Cousins threw for 400 yards in the second half of that game. <laughs> yeah, they seem to be a little frauded, and we'll talk about another Kirk frauded Cousins team. Kirk Cousins remembered it was 1 p.m. You're right. But um, now let's move on to your Atlanta Falcons, and they end up losing by three on the road at the Saints. Desmond Ritter, in his first start, goes 13 of 26 for 97 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, has 38 rushing yards. I didn't get to watch this, but I see the box score, and it definitely doesn't light me up. So what were your thoughts on Desmond Ritter? Desmond Ritter was very underwhelming. Um, The one thing that I will say is the fourth and five pass to Drake London that Drake London would eventually fumble, and that would cost us the game. That was a dot. That was a beautifully executed play, good play call. You know, it looked good, but biggest thing is it was so weird. All the small, simple packages that Marcus Mariota was asked to run very early in the season when we were winning, we were not giving those play calls to Ritter, which I which I still don't understand a couple days, you know, a day later why we didn't do that. You know, this kid is a rookie quarterback who's never seen the field in a competitive NFL game besides a preseason game, and we're running, you know, our like our most advanced plays to win this game. Uh, that's just some bad coaching. I, I've been an Arthur Smith hater for a while. I don't think he's the guy. I, I didn't think he was the guy when we hired him. I, I hated it from the beginning. Um, and, I, and I think I'm going to continue to do so until we get rid of him, or unless he proves me wrong. But he's got a lot of proving to do uh, for me to say that. But, hey, we now have the seventh pick in the draft. Come on. And if Ritter can just keep losing, baby. We are creeping up the draft. We're going to get the top five. And that's at this point, that's all I'm asking for. But, but yeah, it's, it's exactly what me and Evan predicted. It's going to be exactly what Marcus Mariota was doing, but just on a slightly lower scale. But, uh, yeah, the play calls are horrible. Arthur Smith, I don't know what he's doing with our offense. I mean, I get our roster is probably one of the worst in the NFL. It is. It's kind of impressive we won this many games, but, gosh, I mean, you got to do something different. We ran the ball 40 times. We threw, what, 28 times? Yeah. I mean, you got to do something different. We're scoring like 12 points a game. All right. Well, as I said earlier, there's another frauded team in the NFL that I think we have to talk about, and it's the Dallas Cowboys. Y'all may disagree with me, but let me just talk about their last six games. And now, they only have two losses in this stretch, and it's to the Packers and the Jaguars, who are both pretty bad teams, as we know. But let's even talk about their wins. Yes, they blew out the Vikings, one of the best wins all year, anybody, but the Vikings are a little frauded, as we talked about. They barely beat the Giants. They were down to the Colts until they just had one of the best fourth quarters of all time. Then they barely beat the Texans, should have lost. So you're going back-to-back weeks, which should have lost to the Texans, and then lost to the Jaguars. Now, let's talk about the Jaguars for a minute, because they may be a force to reckon with next year. They put up 40 points on a really good Dallas defense. Trevor Lawrence threw for 318 and four touchdowns, did have one interception. Travis Etienne, who's been awesome all year, he had 19 rushes for 103 yards. Zay Jones had 109 through the air and three touchdowns. Yeah, Christian Kirk had 92 in there. Evan Ingram, good to see him finally do something football productive, 62 yards. But 
What are your thoughts on the Cowboys? Are they frauded? And then what are your thoughts on the Jaguars moving forward? So you're telling me it's not the Cowboys here? Who would have no. saw that coming? Um, I've seen this page before. I've seen, I've seen Eagles it. are a much better team in that division, I think. Yeah, I, I don't think – the Cowboys, they are the best of the mediocre teams. I, I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, I don't think they're going to be very competitive come December and January, but I think they're going to you know, kind of coast to a pretty good playoff spot. They'll be the probably the highest-rated wild card. Uh, in the NFC just because they share a division with the Eagles. But the Jaguars, like you said, are going to be very formidable next year. They're going to be scary, especially when you add Calvin Ridley to an already explosive offense. The defense is just going to get better. They've got a lot of cap space to improve. And should have a fairly good draft pick again this year. Probably top ten. So I I think it's going to be scary for people. For Jaguars fans actually have some promise to look forward to, which is not something we say lightly. All right, well, the last thing I want to talk about from this weekend in the NFL is what were the Patriots doing? <laughs> One of the craziest plays I've ever seen in NFL history. I, I didn't even believe it when I saw it. Tie game, end of the game, last play, and they throw a little short pass, and for some reason they just start lateraling the ball. And they throw it right to Chandler Jones when they were trying to get it to Mac Jones, which is, I think I'd rather Chandler just take it. But he ends up scoring for the Raiders, Lose the game instead of going to overtime or attempting a Hail Mary. Supposedly, Mac Jones didn't have the arm strength to get the end zone, which I believe because he's terrible. But what are y'all's thoughts on that play? Well, three things. One, I do think Mac Jones has the arm strength to throw a 55-yard pass because I watched him throw a 50-yard pass flat-footed, and I think he could have got it a couple more yards if he stepped into it. Could it have been accurate? Goodness gracious, no. But could he have got it down there? I believe that. Um, Overall, though, I don't understand why you don't play for overtime there. Uh, seems very interesting to Kobe Myers, who made the beautiful pass to Chandler Jones. I mean, <laughs> just an absolute dot. It was a dot. Um, High point the ball, too. Exactly. Um, he was tore up after the game because of it, and rightfully so. Lost in the game. And Chandler Jones also just absolutely nastily, fa- not face by stiff arm the crap out of Mac Jones. <laughs> returning it. But I did see something on Twitter that said, imagine the parallel universe where Mac Jones depleted Chandler Jones. That's a good point. And that one would have been just as crazy, I feel like. But overall, really weird, very head-scratching play. Calls the Patriots, another loss. Probably put them out of the playoff picture. It's going to be really hard to claw back in now. Um, good win for the Raiders. Moved them, and, hey, with the Raiders win yesterday, they're now 6-8. and eight. And the Falcons are 5-9, and nine, so we're moving up the draft board, people. That's what we're hoping for at this point. So, props off to them. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of confused why they didn't just take it, take a knee and go to overtime. Because when you draw up some trick play where you lateral it, you really you really don't practice that. You just you just throw a dump I've pass. I've seen it happen twice in history. <laughs> you throw a work. dump pass and you hope. Someone can yeah. find open space. Patriots did it successfully once and unsuccessfully the next time. Those are the only two times a multilateral play is scored in the NFL history. Well, I wasn't even thinking that. I was thinking of the um, what USC and who way back oh, when yeah. the band comes on the field, yeah. and then the Duke Miami game. Yeah. on the kickoff, the laterals. But yeah, that that's just not something you practice. So you really can't put Jacoby Myers. You can't blame it on him. He was just trying to make a play. There's, it's not like they run that every other day at practice, but. It's just a, a terrible look for the Patriots overall. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's all I have in the NFL. So let's jump into a little college basketball real quick. And, Jackson, I know you can go off some of this with me because you enjoy watching college basketball too. 
But um, top we had a top five matchup this past weekend between Houston and Virginia. Virginia has been a while since they've been good, three or four years. They're back, though. They play great defense now, but they do end up dropping one to Houston, who's a really good basketball team. Marcus Sasser for Houston did struggle, and they still found a way to win, so great win for them. Arizona and Tennessee, Arizona pulls out a big win against them in another top-10 matchup. Gonzaga beats Alabama 100-90 to in a very high-scoring game. Gonzaga and Drew Timmy, they're looking really good. Um, then Kentucky-UCLA was another great matchup that we had this week, and Kentucky just can't seem to find the big wins this year. They keep losing all their ranked matchups. Hard to see. And the last-ranked matchup, Kansas beat Indiana by 22. The game was never close from the start. And it was – I think this Kansas team is the best team that I've watched this year. Him and Grady Dick, they've been great this year. Grady Dick had 20 points this week. They held Trace Jackson Davis to pretty much nothing for Indiana. But, Jackson, do you have any thoughts on any of those games? Uh, I'll talk about Kansas for a second. Like you said, Kansas has just been on a tear as of late – and then I'll go to the UCLA-Kentucky game. I'd like to consider myself consider myself a UCLA basketball fan, and Kentucky is a Kentucky fan. So you know the game was on at the house. Uh, uh what's, what's his name? I can't even remember his name. Who? Hawkins? Sheboy? Sheboy. Sheboy is a monster. He's always getting the rebounds. Not Hawkins. He doesn't play there anymore. Yeah, he does. He does. Nope. I was thinking of Juzane. Yeah, Juzane don't. But Hawkins no, had 19 as well. <laughs> Yeah, probably on 38 shots, too. <laughs> Hawkes is a shooter. He's not much of a maker. He really is toting the entire offense for UCLA. Tiger Campbell. He's 9 of 19. Tiger Campbell is more of a facilitator. He'll get you five, six assists per game. But I'm just worried about the defense for UCLA. They're giving up 1,000 points a game, it feels like. But uh, there's still going to be a problem when it comes to March. Absolutely. All right, well, uh, Evan, excuse me, uh, do you have any thoughts on anything NBA? Uh, Georgia beat Notre Dame in college basketball yesterday, and we're 8-3. and three. That's the most wins we've had in, like, three years, and it's not even Christmas. So there we go. Mike White dub. Yeah, y'all can oh keep God. Mike White. I forgot. <laughs> Mike y'all White. Y'all can keep him. We <laughs> hey, don't want him back, hey, trust me. Okay. We're doing all right. All right, well, do you have anything NBA? Um... The Hawks are still injured. We're now the ninth seed. We're fifteen and fifteen. We suck. What a ninth seed at fifteen and fifteen? <laughs> yeah. Um Jesus. Other than that, Steph Curry's out a couple weeks. That stinks. And Anthony Davis is gonna miss another month, so street clothes Davis is back. Luka Doncic is being Luka Doncic. Yeah, yeah. With the Florida Jordans on, did y'all see those? Yeah, he had a nasty dunk the other day. <laughs> he had Florida Jordans on. That was crazy. But, um, all right, well, before we get into our bold predictions, so go ahead and start thinking of those. I want to talk about Tiger and Charlie Woods this week. They played in the PNC Championship. You know, it's mostly a father and son event. You had a couple mother-sons in it, a couple of PGA players. That, Tiger and Charlie ended up, they were one shot back behind Justin Thomas and his dad uh, after the first day. Tiger looks so bad. His swing is awesome. He, I, I know he got to play in a cart this weekend, so he didn't have to walk and all that, and I think that had to do a lot with it helping his health. But if he can either get healthy or quit being stubborn and play with a cart on tour, he will win again on tour. The swing looks so much better than it did at this time last year when we thought he was back. 
Charlie Woods looked very much improved. They ended up not having the greatest second day. VJ Singh and his son ended up winning it. John Daly and his son came in second, as we all assumed. And then Justin Thomas and his dad came in third. Great show and great event there, but let's get into our bold predictions. Wait a minute. You could use a card on the PGA Tour? They they will allow you if you have, you know, stuff like... They would allow Tiger. They used to allow John Daly. You know, if they're going to bring the ratings, they'll allow you. But Tiger would never do it. But let's get into our bold predictions, and I'll kick us off first. Wisconsin's a 10-win football team next year. I'm just going to lay it out there. Oh, that's early. Like <laughs> Absolutely. I'm looking at their schedule. <laughs> Buffalo, a win. Duh. At Washington State, probably a win. Duh. Georgia Southern, win. L. At Purdue, probably win. Duh. Rutgers, win. Duh. Iowa, win. Duh. Illinois, win. Duh. Ohio State, probably Duh. a loss. Indiana, Duh. win. Northwestern, win. Nebraska, win. At Minnesota, probably a win. They may win 11. Nah. They have an easy They're schedule no shot, right? on their side of the bracket. <laughs> They're going to be a really good football team. I'll keep it low, though. I'll just go with 10. Give me double digits from Wisconsin next all right, year. All right. I like it. I like it. Um, Grayson McCall. Grayson McCall is going to side with Auburn and win SEC Newcomer of the Year next year. Can also still uh, hear how, how many games will Auburn win? Oh, not too many. Okay, good. <laughs> but he's going to have a phenomenal season racking up points. Okay. Uh, I'll say the Jags win out and make the wild card. <laughs> I mean, they play the Jets, Texans, Titans. They can those beat are, the Texans. Those are, they can beat the Titans. The Jets is going to be the hard game. I think game. they'll beat the Jets. Those, I, was th- I was looking at I'm going to bet them, I think. Those are, ve- those are very winnable games. They are. If I told you before to see the Jags would make the wild card this year, you wouldn't believe me, I promise. I actually bet the under in six wins for them. <laughs> it's a push right now. <laughs> so, so you need to lose up. All right, well, do y'all have any last thoughts or words? Uh, please, for the love of God, can the Falcons lose. do something? Lose. I, don't, I, I want them to lose. Yeah, keep losing. Lose. Get a good draft pick. I'm telling to, you. I want them to lose oh, every game oh, this also, year. Also, if, if all the mock drafts are right, I'm putting this on air, on record. If I get to the seventh pick next year and the Falcons draft Will Levis, I will no longer be a Falcons fan. I will... I will quit they watching. Need, no um, one should be a Falcons fan. They should get rid of the franchise. Burn the city. I, I don't think it would matter who our quarterback. We can have Patrick Mahomes, and we're still going to run the ball 50 times it a game. Doesn't so I don't, th- I don't think it would matter. But don't. Just know. <laughs> will Levis is not. I, okay, before we go off, who is the better <laughs> NFL quarterback? We're naming it right now. Will Levis or Tanner McKee? <laughs> Put it on air. Tanner McKee. I'm going to go Tanner McKee. <laughs> <laughs> Tanner McKee, either. is there option C? Tanner McKee went to... Uh, I don't know. Tanner McKee's a dog. I, I, I'm going to go Tanner with Will McKee Levis, had, I guess. Tanner McKee has all the talent in the world. But Will Levis is a prototypical quarterback for the NFL right now. He's just... He has all the talent, but he just can't put it all together. That's what I'm trying to say. McKee has much higher upside, but Will Levis well, another has a thing much is Will floor. Levis sucked against good competition this year. Yeah, like that that's one thing you do want to look at when you're looking at a prospect. How they fare against top twenty five opponents? He was terrible. They also just look at straight raw talent. That's why Anthony Richardson is on every okay. But you first look at Richardson. Board. <laughs> 
Yeah, he was. Yeah, go ahead. Anthony Richardson, <laughs> had, he has played really good against competition. He played great against Utah first week. Okay. He had a pretty good solid game against Georgia. Threw for 273, did not have a turnover. He played really good against LSU the next. He did not have a turnover. He played really good the next week against LSU. He's played good against good competition. All right, that's a fourth-round draft pick. Calm no, down. no way he gets he's not getting drafted. <laughs> All right, well, let's wrap it up. Go Braves, go Falcons, go Hawks.